Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. series called My Soul to Keep. And we're looking, we've been looking at the needs of our soul, which is really the the deepest, there you go, there's the voice cracking, the deepest part of who we are. Um, The soul is our core being. It's, uh, you have a body, but you are a soul. And so we've talked about the different conditions of our soul. Last week, we looked at the restless soul, and we've talked about the lost soul. And this week, we turn to the lonely soul. We're not talking about lonely hearts and uh, trying to find that special someone, although that is a part of God's gift. Uh, But we're talking about the lonely soul, which is the feeling of separation and isolation that can lead us into sadness and despair, apart from community. And this may not be the first time you've heard a message on loneliness and community. Last summer, uh, Todd King, the lead pastor of CTK, was here, and he talked about loneliness and the, the complex nature of loneliness. And for us today, the approach we're going to take is, is we're going to, to look at loneliness and a response to loneliness from Romans 12. So we'll be, we'll be getting into that. And I, I do want to say we are doing a small group launch. So um, we will be talking about that, but I want to go bigger picture than, than small groups with this message. Small groups is, is, is not a fix-all, but it is a step you can take to get more into community. So all that said, let's, let's talk about loneliness. There are times in life where we feel alone. Um, after a move, after a death, after a divorce, after our kids leave the house, loneliness, feeling alone and disconnected is an issue for everyone. Um, you can have a thousand friends on Facebook but still feel alone. Uh, you can come to church faithfully every Sunday but still feel alone in your faith journey. We all have times where we feel alone. There was a short season in my life where I lived in, uh, in eastern Montana. I had just graduated from seminary, from Bible school, and I took the first job I was offered, which was way out in Billings, Montana. So we moved 900 miles from our home in Portland out to Montana just to find out that the church that we had joined had all sorts of leadership and integrity issues, and that's a long story. Um, But basically, when we decided we couldn't stay there, um, we were quickly asked to leave, and so for three months... We were alone and unemployed in Montana, which if, if you've lived or been in Montana, it's a pretty empty place, right? It's like there aren't a lot of people in Montana. There might be more grizzly bears than people <laughs> in Montana, um, which for some people, like, you like that, right? Like, you like to go out and, and be alone. But for me, it was a, just a feeling of, of isolation. There was a, a month where... I, I didn't have work, so I just tempted. And I remember I got this job at JCPenney just restickering merchandise all alone. And it was like, it was, it was the, the epitome of this feeling of isolation. You know, that feeling that, man, man, nobody here knows me. 
Um, nobody here cares about me. I've got nobody to visit. And I don't have a place that I can go that feels like home. Like we're on our own in Montana. So um, all that to say, loneliness can be defined as a lack of true connection. Loneliness can be defined as a lack of true connection. It's when you feel like you have no one you can really rely on. You might be around people all day, but you might not have that person that when crisis comes, you can talk to, you can turn to. It's when you lack a place to belong. Like, where do you belong? Where do you feel at home? And when we don't have that place, it can leave us feeling vulnerable and exposed and even desperate. Uh, studies have shown that people who, um, who don't have a sense of belonging and community tend to focus way more on self-preservation. So it's, it's this, uh, without relationship, we become concerned just about our own survival. And we can, we can become obsessed with it. One of the problems that we have in our culture is we struggle with true connection. For so long, we've, we've beat the drum of individualism in our culture. And it, it's all about our success and achieving um, what we can achieve. And relationship really becomes a means to an end of that. That, that we tend to view relationships through what can I get through, from this person. And that type of relationship doesn't create belonging. It just adds to our loneliness. Loneliness also creates fear and shame. Professor John Capaccio from the University of Chicago said, admitting, if you admit you're lonely, it's like holding up a big L on your forehead. That's what it feels like. You ever go to a party all alone and you know it, don't know anybody? You feel like you have that big L on your forehead. And, and um, it's in those situations where it's like really awkward and you want to leave as soon as possible. Um, for many of you, that might resonate even with your experience at church um, in the past or, or present. You felt like you never really could break in. And uh, I have family that's avoided church for years because they never found a place where they really felt like they belonged. They found nice people, but they didn't find anybody who really took the time to know them. And so loneliness exposes something that's at our core. Uh, there was a comedian who recently was talking about this on a, on a late night show. And he said, underneath everything in your life, there's that thing. There's that empty feeling. The forever empty is what he called it. It's the knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're all alone. And he said it jokingly and people laughed, but it was like sort of an uncomfortable laugh. Like, huh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's right. Um, it was, it was an uncomfortable laugh, but I think it's a, a really amazing observation is that for, for, for so many of us, we have that empty place, that forever empty that sits there, and we do everything we can to fill that up. We do everything we can to fill that up. We might try entertainment. We might try um, an addiction. We might try dating relationships. We might even try supporting different causes, but at the end of the day, it doesn't fill that empty place. So, what can we do to answer this forever empty that's in our hearts? Um, I believe we find an answer in Romans 12, where the Apostle Paul puts out an invitation into something greater, uh, that instead of living in these cycles of loneliness and emptiness, Romans 12 shows us a picture of what belonging should look like. 
So, um, we're going to start with the first two verses. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, the, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The first point for us today is that God transforms us in community. Specifically, God transforms us when we have community with him. Our first invitation is into community with God. So when Paul speaks here, he starts with a plea. He says, I urge you. It's like he's grabbing us on the shoulders and telling us to listen. His, his, his plea is in view of God's mercy. He wants us to see our situation in light of God's mercy. And that, that word mercy, it's, it's plural. It means mercies. And if you look deeper, it really means in view of God's compassionate feelings for you. And a lot of times we don't, we don't, that doesn't register with us, that God has compassionate feelings towards us, that God has soft eyes towards us, that God has a soft heart for us. And when we get into this trap of religion, it feels like we're always trying to, to please a God that will never be pleased with us, but that's not how God views us. That God is driven at a heart level and a gut level to reconnect with you. And that's why Jesus is so key. Jesus is the reconnection point between us and God. He is the way to God. He's God wanting to reconnect with us. So our first invitation, the first invitation that God gives us is to reconnect to him through Jesus. That's our first play before anything else. The ultimate answer to our forever empty and loneliness is Jesus. It seems simple, but yet it's so complex. But that's our first play. He, God invites us into community with him through Jesus. But here's the struggle that I have. I don't know about you, but my life following Jesus has been very cyclical. Sometimes I feel close to God and like I could do anything I wanted to do. And then other times I feel distant from God and almost like I can't get through the day. I don't know if you experienced that. What I can say is that what brings me back is when I regain sight of the love of God for me. When I realize that, man, God loves me. Um, he loves us so much, even though we bring nothing to the table. Even though all we bring is mess and brokenness, God still loves us. So here's the thing about love. It creates security. Love creates security. It's knowing that the all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal God, knowing that he loves you, that should do something for you. That should do something for you. Imagine, imagine after service today, you're at home, you're having lunch, and Bill Gates shows up at your door. And you, you welcome him in, you welcome Bill Gates in, and you know Bill Gates sits down, he puts his hand on his knee, and he just says, you know... Jerry, I've been thinking about you, and uh, I just want you to know that I care about you, and whatever you need, I want to help you with. How would you feel? Pretty good, right? That might give you a little confidence boost. Uh, 
that you might, you might uh, be ready to quit your job the, tomorrow. You know, you might be, that would be great, right? Um, I could never see Bill Gates doing that, by the way. I just, I couldn't see him doing that. But, uh, and obviously God is, is greater than Bill Gates. Um, but it's that same idea, like God is so much bigger and greater, and he doesn't just know what we want, he knows what we need. And when we submit to him, he helps us get there. And so even with our loneliness and disconnection from people, we can give that to God and he will provide what we need. And so in that, we feel secure, like God's got that blank check for us. Even though we go through ups and downs, we know that God is on our side. And when we have that security, when we're able to rest in God's love, that's when God invites us to respond. Paul says that since you have that, offer yourself up as a living sacrifice, which is your true and proper worship. Now that true and proper worship thing, what what that word is, is it, it literally means logical. It's the only logical thing to do. If God loves you so much, then the only reasonable thing we can do is offer ourselves up to him. That's what Paul's saying. It's the only reasonable thing that we can do. Our relationship with God should leave us saying, wow. Can you guys say that with me? Wow. We should, we should be saying that in our relationship with God, that that's what drives us is this wow factor that God is so amazing. And it's sometimes when we lose that wow factor, that's when we look for that wow factor somewhere else. If we're not if we, don't, if we don't find that wow factor with God, we'll look for it in places that are unhealthy. We'll look for it in other places. Um, but that, it's that love of God that brings me back to that wow, um, that place of wow. So that's the first part. When we respond to God's love and give ourselves to him, he transforms us. So transforming is not something that, that just uh, is is um, it doesn't happen apart from submitting ourselves to God. When we offer ourselves up, the direct result is that God transforms us from the inside out. I mean, it just, it just happens. There's not a science to it. There's not a regimen you have to follow. It's not a diet plan. Like, God just, like, changes us from the inside out. And so the, the first answer, my first push for you is that if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling alone, then maybe what you need is more time alone just with God. Maybe you need to make that space to be alone, but seek God. Seek God in his word. Seek God in prayer. Read the Bible and ask the question, God, who are you? Just find out who he is. And so that's the, that's the place to start. And Paul says when we do that, he transforms us. He transforms the way we think. He transforms the way we act. He transforms us. That word is metamorphosis. It's like, it's like we're a butterfly, right? Um, he just changes us from the inside out. And so instead of living like the rest of the culture we're around, we become a different person. And that's God's work in you. So God transforms us in community with him. And as we read on, we'll see that God wires us for community with others. So he transforms us in community with him, and then he wires us for community with others. It's part of this transformation is this rewiring. Let's pick it up in verse 3. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has had or has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So I love this section. This section describes God's plan for community as a body, as the body of Christ. Like that's the picture of how he wires us together. We're, we're supposed to be connected. We're supposed to be connected. We're not supposed to live independently of one another. And so true connection happens when you have people that are transformed and they fit together in community, and that community absorbs people who are transformed. Like, it just, it's a, it's a really cool picture. And, you know, when we follow Jesus, he helps change our hearts, so instead of being self-focused, we can start to become others-focused. That's a process. And, and the love of Jesus leads us into meaningful relationship with each other. Um. That's where we die as individuals. That's where our individualism dies. We start to think differently. We start to think we and not me, like we've talked about in the past. We start to include other people into our lives. Uh, We start to see the gifts that other people have. Uh, We start to make a difference in our community. It's it's really, really cool. Um, So Paul's first warning as he talks about the church, is to not think too highly of yourself. And that's that's a key, not to think too highly of yourself. Now, it doesn't mean to think super lowly of yourself. He doesn't want us to walk around like Eeyore all day, like, thanks for noticing me. You know, he doesn't want that. That's a bad Eeyore impression. Sorry, I'll work on that. Work on that. Um, That's not what he's saying. The word means don't be overproud. Don't be overproud. God wants us to have an or, yeah, God wants us to have an accurate view of ourselves as a gifted and loved part of the body of Christ. But the key word is that we're a part. We're not the whole. We're a part of the body of Christ. We're made to be a part of it. We're not made to be the complete body of Christ. What's great about that is that it doesn't hinge on us. You know, we have each other. We have, we have a diverse group of people with different gifts and talents. Um, and if we want to if we want to find fulfillment in the body of Christ, it's not doing everything super duper well. It's just being able and willing to serve as the part that God made you to be. And so we we serve in it um, because the church is really the greatest service organization on earth. Um, one quote that I love is that it's the church doesn't have a mission, the mission has a church, that God wants to restore the world to himself, and he chooses us, the church, to do that. Like, that's the work that we're called to. So it's actually really exciting to to live into that purpose uh, in community. And in his love, God makes you a part of that team. He wires you to fit inside his body which is built for that movement of God. And he doesn't give you all the gifts, but he gives you the gifts that he chooses. He gives you the gifts that he wants, and then you work in that community. And it's really exciting to discover how God has wired you. It's really cool. 
And so if you're sitting here and you're feeling like, man, I don't, like, I, I want to experience that. I don't know how to get there. I just want to paint a picture of how the body of Christ should operate as it, as it should, as it was designed to. And of course, we're all human, so we don't get it right all the time. But um, that's how God has designed uh, his body to work. Um, there's nothing like experiencing that, that community in action. And I was blessed recently. I moved two weeks ago. And I was super blessed by all the people that came out to help me move. And I remember just thinking like, man, this is awesome. I totally don't deserve all this help. I totally don't deserve, you know, 10 people Saturday morning, uh, mornings trying to help. But that's the point. Like, we don't deserve the body of Christ. We don't. It's God's grace that he gives us each other to help support and encourage and, and equip each other. So... Um, so when we as a community love each other well, that sends a message to the, the outside. That's, that's what really brings people in. Um, when we love each other well, that's what's ultimately going to um, help bring, bring people to God. So let's go into verses 6 and 8. Uh, verses, verse 6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So this, this last point is that God empowers us through community. God empowers us to discover our gifts in, as, we, as we live in community. I love this, that God didn't create us all the same. Like, God made us all different. He gave us different backgrounds. He gave us different experiences. He gave us different giftings and skills so that we could work together. I mean, isn't it cool that the, the one unifying factor in the body of Christ is Christ, is his love? It's not anything else that binds us together. I mean, we have, we have a world that is dividing by the second. You know, we have a world that feels like people are on, are taking sides all over the place. And what's cool is when we focus on Christ, he brings us all together. Because that diversity in the body of Christ is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And it's something that we have to fight to preserve. So I want to talk about some of these gifts because I feel like they'll give us a picture of, of what it can look like. What you discover as you're, as you're in community. So first he mentions prophesying. Now prophesying, it sounds a little intense. Um, just so you know, he's not talking about predicting the future here, okay? He's not talking about predicting the future. He's talking about someone with the ability to speak God's heart into a situation. Someone who can confirm like, yeah, I see this in you. Like God, you know, God loves you. Someone who speaks um, honestly and can, and can pull people back to God's heart. You might know somebody like that. You might know somebody who's, who's uh, been that for you. He talks about serving others, people gifted in caring for specific needs, taking up causes, coming alongside people, and sharing the love of God with others in real practical ways. You know, I love get-it-done people. Like, what needs to happen? Sure, I'll do it. Like, what do I need to do? Yeah, I can do that. 
Um, you know, people with the gift of service, they don't complain. They just step in and they help wherever needed. They're a picture of selflessness. And it's not that, and it's not that um, they're perfect, but they just they have that gift to be selfless and to give to others. He mentions teaching. Teaching others is a gift that God gives. Um, now, Paul says later, like, be careful with this gift. Don't let everybody become uh, a teacher. Um, but teaching others is critical in, in helping lead others in, in Christ, like being able to explain, like, who God is and, and what he's doing. Um, there are people in my life who've been really great teachers and mentors. And one of my friends, um, Jody, I walked with for two years, and he just, t- like, taught me while we were hanging out at his house. You know, it doesn't have to be getting up on a Sunday and, and speaking. It, it, it can happen. That's what's so cool about small groups is that we can, we can learn from each other in small groups. And it goes on. He mentions encouraging. Encouraging just doesn't just mean making people feel good. It means inspiring others to action. Who are those people? You need people around who, you who are going to be inspiring you to, to go further to, to make the changes, to do the difficult things that you need to do. And that's encouragement. It's inspiring others towards action, inspiring others to, to, to change or to, um, to going further, um, helping being that support for people. He mentions giving. Some people are really gifted at sharing their resources with others. And what he says to people who have that gift of giving is to share liberally. Don't don't try to put a ton of controls around it. Just, just give as you, as you feel led. Then he mentions leadership, who he tells, be diligent. He, he tells leaders to be diligent. And all of us are leaders in some capacity. We're leaders of self. We're leaders of family. We're leaders of friends, of groups. Um, some of us have this gift of leadership. Um, but when you're called to lead something, God wants you to work hard at it. God wants you to put your foot down and work hard at it because people are counting on you. You can think of the people that, that are, are counting on you. The leader has to work hard because the stakes are high. People are following. And then finally, Paul comes to compassion. He says those who are gifted to show compassion to others need to be cheerful when they do it. When we show compassion to others, we got to make sure that our heart's right, that we're just ready to, to, to love people. And I, I know there are so many people who are gifted with compassion, that they have compassion just flowing out of them. I feel like my compassion has limits, you know? Like, I've reached that point, you know, like at small group, like, oh, man, I, I wish these people would get out of my living room, you know, and go home. Uh, um, we, our compassion has limits. So that's why it says be cheerful. Be cheerful. Um, don't, when, we, when we're not cheerful and we show compassion, it's like, People feel like they're a nuisance, right? We don't want to do that. We want to, we, we want to, um, to be compassionate from a cheerful heart. So I just mentioned these to say, hey, look at this picture. What, what if all these pieces were working together as one body? What would it look like? What kind of difference would it make? Is that something that you want to be a part of? Is that something that you want? It's a vision for what could be. You know, as we wrestle with everything that we're going through, and life, life is hard and difficult, what I want to do today is give us this picture of the body of Christ working together 
and where, we, where it's fueled by people changing, where it's fueled by our own, we feel God working in us and changing us. God calls you in. God calls you to experience life with him in community that's purposeful, that's hopeful. There's hope there. So the question I have then is what would be holding you back? What's holding you back? could be fear. It could be fear of the unknown. It's risky to just start new relationships with people. Will I be accepted? Maybe you tried this in the past and the people that you were with didn't show the love of God or didn't, didn't come through or there was some disagreement. I would just encourage you, if you're in that place this morning, talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. Give that to God. Give that fear to God. Another thing that holds us back is control. If you're, if you're like me and most people, like you kind of like the autonomy that you have. Um, maybe this seems like it costs too much, like too much of our time or our energy or anything like that. Well, it does cost, but the reward is so great. The reward of being a part of what God intended us to be a part of is so, so great. One thing that could be holding you back is opportunity. Like, where do I, where do I go? Where do I, what do I do? How do I get started? You don't know who to talk to. Um, so our, our mission, and this is where I'll get, get more CTK specific. Our mission as a church is we, we want to be an authentic Christian community. Like, that's the first part of our mission statement. It is so important to us that you are in community. And so the way that we do that, the, the thing that we offer and promote and invest in is our small groups. And so my invitation for you today is if you're thinking about, man, how, if it's the opportunity is holding me back, how can I get involved in a small group? Because I would love for everyone to be involved in, in community on a weekly basis that you're learning from and sharing with and praying with. There's just something about having that time once a week to be with people. So over the next couple of weeks, we'll be launching into this next season of small groups. Um, basically, small groups are, are it's one and a half hours a week, if I can get specific. Um, it, we're, where you eat together, where you read, read God's word together, and where you share and pray for one another. I mean, it's just really simple. Um, and it's, it's, it, and it's not, um, it, wherever you're at, you're going to get something out of it. And we have groups, we have um, ladies groups and men's groups and, and groups for families. And, and um, we're trying to start groups too. So if, if you're interested in hosting or, or leading, that's, that's uh, indicate that. Um, your opportunity this morning, if you want to, um, if you want to move forward with that, um, on the back tables, uh, there are response cards. You can fill that out. Um, there will be a couple people back there to, um, to receive those. And then you can indicate like what works for you, what day of the week, what type of group, all of that. And I would just encourage you, if you're in that place today wondering how can I get involved, sign up. And um, another cool thing, Dakota is going to be back there as well. We also have our Celebrate Recovery small groups um, signing up, and if you want more information on that, Dakota's back there, and there's a sign up for that as well. And again, that those groups address specifically our hurts, habits, 
and hang-ups. So just to kind of close this up, uh, this week I tried to ask the man on the street, um, so what's, what's so important about community, or why should somebody get into community? Well, the man on the street that I asked happened to be a Young Life leader, so he kind of was into community already, um, just ran into him. But I asked him, why do you think people should, should pursue community? And I loved his answer. He said, you can't lose. You just can't lose. Um, you, man, my voice right now. Um, you can't lose um, by, by, by taking a step into community, by taking a step into God's, uh, into relationship with God and others. I mean, it changes you. You're where you need to be. And so... That's my prayer that you would consider how, uh, more, even more than small groups, what's the next step that I need to take to be in meaningful relationships with others? If, you, if you're in a place where you're feeling lonely and down, I want you, as the, as the band comes and plays, I want you to, to give that up to God this morning. Let's pray. God, you are so good. And God, I thank you that, that you reached out. And when we were isolated and alone, you included us, God. That you reconnected us with you through Jesus. And Lord, I pray, God, for, for all of us as we consider, Lord, how do you want to use me? How, should I, how can I get involved in, in community? God, I pray that you would give us that answer. God, show us how, where you want us to be. Show us where you want us to plug in, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to come together as a community, God, that would, that would be real and authentic and caring and loving. God, I pray that you would just empower us, whether we're, whether we're just looking to get plugged in or whether we're leaders, God, would you just give us a heart for one another? Lord, I just pray for any of, the, any of the fears that would hold us back from, from jumping into community, God, that you would speak into those right now. Or that you would speak into those, God. You, in you, as Alex shared earlier, in you there's victory. God, you give us victory. And sometimes that victory feels far off and far away. But it's so close, God. Help us to take that step. Jesus, we thank you. We love you, God. Be with us, God, this week as we... Uh, as we as we work, as we uh, live, God, just be with us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.